We all know dental school is hard, but being a dentist in the real world is even harder. And what about all those things they don't teach you in dental school, like how to talk to patients and when to buy a practice? New Dentist Boost Camp is here to help you. Easily download and watch 12 hours of valuable CE, giving you tools you will want to implement immediately to help with your day-to-day in the office and lessons that will help you through your entire dental career. Learn from Dr. Paul Goodman and top dental professionals. Gain confidence in crown preps, class 2 composites, root canals, and implants. Increase patient acceptance. Effectively communicate to your patients and your dental team. This beneficial course is $9.95, but because Dental Nachos loves to see happy dentists succeeding, they are offering new dentist boost camp to dental students for $3.95. Visit DentalNachos.com slash NDBC for more information and to purchase your discounted download of New Dentist Boost Camp. Watch it and re-watch it anytime. This will be an impactful reference tool that you can continue to learn from and use. Buy it today to help you find a good job, start paying your student loans back faster, and feel great about dentisting. That's what it's all about. Welcome to the Dental Amigos Podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here with you, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Today, we're joined by practicing dentist, Dr. Todd Fleischman. From diagnosing small cavities to complex full mouth restorations, Dr. Todd Fleischman focuses on a patient-centered, relationship-based approach to achieving healthy mouths and beautiful smiles. Todd has learned that the best way to treat a patient is to listen with time in his care, beginning with a conversation about their expectations. He emphasizes the use of the latest technology and techniques in the state-of-the-art practice, setting with a friendly, related atmosphere. Todd encourages a hassle-free, no-pressure environment. Uh, and uh, Dr. Todd Fleischman received his undergraduate education from New York University, uh, completing a BA in psychology. I'll have to ask him about that. Think that helps Paul to be able to <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, very, very deal important. with your, yeah, your yeah. staff. It's not easy. What was your major? Uh, biology. Okay. Should have done psychology. Yeah. Nachos. It's a, it was a in nacho, hindsight, so yeah. right? You hindsight, know? like do nachos. You have it all major. figured out, yeah, right? Yeah. Staff, patients. <laughs> yeah, right? Yes, right? exactly. Uh, upon leaving Manhattan, he settled in, settled in uh, Center City, Philadelphia, not far from uh, the uh, the podcast headquarters here. Yeah. Our closest guest, yeah, absolutely. The only guest we've had, I think, that's that's been able to walk. Yeah. He's actually in the studio, we like too. Guests, yeah. Spoiler alert: all of our guests are, are not always in the uh, in the room with us. Uh, graduating from uh, Temple University School of Dentistry here in Philadelphia with his uh, doctoral degree, and uh, began to establish his roots in southeastern Pennsylvania. He completed his postgraduate uh, AEGD residency at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey. Todd is an avid student of comprehensive evidence-based continuing education, including the Spear Institute in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the Coyce Center in Seattle, Washington. 
He is the owner of a private fee-for-service practice uh, right here in the Rittenhouse Square area of Center City, Philadelphia, a swanky neighborhood, Paul. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite place. Yeah, they don't usually let us in, though. In I know, place. that's so, true. Yeah. Uh, we don't usually head out that, that direction in town. I know, I right? got to be down in Washington Square. It's a little too upscale. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we have Todd on the show today. Um, he's going to be speaking at the New Dennis Boost Camp 3 and uh, Dennis Team Boost, which are both uh, coming up, cool events uh, that I'm going to be a part of as well with, uh, with Dr. Nacho, of course. And, uh, you know, but we have him on today because he really exemplifies much of what uh, Paul Goodman's game plan is and advice for, for young dentists and such as reaching out and meeting dentists, seeking mentors and investing in themselves with high level continuing education. And so now, without further ado, here's Dr. Todd Fleischman. Welcome, amigo. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Rob. Great to be here. Uh, Paul, really appreciate the opportunity, so thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for being with us, Todd. And we start with hard-hitting questions, and uh, it is National Margarita Day, so <laughs> I'll put a spin on it. If we were going to you know, head out for nachos and margaritas in Philadelphia, what would be your top choice? Uh, what type of place? What would be your favorite topping, too? I, I, I love all the restaurants here in Philly, but uh, even though maybe not Mexican-centric, uh, Alma de Cuba is probably my favorite. I would maybe sub the margarita for a mojito. That's a very good uh, answer. You've changed already. Yeah, yeah. It's a very good answer. Because, yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah, my, my, normal, uh, my normal go-to Mexican is Qdoba, to be honest with you. So. Well, we, we both have young kids. It's a good place. The whole place is just silver. You can't make a mess anywhere, you know? It's so I, not I, a problem. I go there often. Um, well, Todd, yeah, it's a Friday afternoon, and it's National Margarita Day. I can tell you we are not going out for mojitos. Maybe Jose Pistola. Yeah, then, yeah huh? perfect. I like that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm actually I'm going to lobby for Mission. Mission, okay. Yeah, Todd likes Mission too. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we we, we can. Uh, we'll, we'll let our attorney attorney pick. We'll be nice nice dentist. Um, so uh, Todd, I mean, it was just great getting to meet you, and uh, I just want to tell our listeners uh, a lot of people reached out to me on Dental Nachos. You know, when I started the group, uh, a lot of times with complaints, and uh, <laughs> you uh, reached out and said, "Hey, I like what you're doing." So what prompted you to reach out to me to say, you know? I'd like to get to know this uh, wacky nacho guy. You know, it's the magic of social media. I, I I was on Facebook and saw what you were doing and saw how you were trying to form a community here, uh, which I think is a, a, an extraordinary effort. I know what kind of effort it takes to do something like that. And I wanted to know what you were doing. Here we are in Philadelphia, and, and I said, if this guy is based out of Philly, I need to know who he is. I, I like to know my community. And... I just figured let's give it a shot. Plus, I had heard uh, your name in the past from uh, friends of ours, colleagues of ours who, who you've taught before and who went to school with you. And so your reputation sort of preceded yourself. And thanks. Uh, thanks, Sammy. I wanted in on that. He asked me to go out for beers. I like beers, you know, so that was yeah, good. And, me uh, too. I used Todd in my lectures as, you know, uh, if, if you have young children in your house, you uh, listen to modern day philosopher Daniel Tiger. And uh, <laughs> his is make new friends and keep the old ones. So, you know, that was, uh, that was great. And um, I like to, you know, just kind of tell our listeners sometimes you start at the beginning of people's dental career but actually just change up a little bit and tell us where you are now a little bit about day in life for you and what you deal with as an owner and you know how you got to this place and we just like to hear a little bit about that yeah i mean my journey was sort of a fortunate one i'll try and start at the end like you said i'm currently um running a fee-for-service practice here in town i am the only doctor in the practice it's a heavy load (sighs) I think everyone who owns a practice understands that. Um, I have a big team of nine besides me, and um, we're working four days a week, Monday through Thursday. I'm in at seven, I'm out at six, it's a long day, but um, typically as productive as we possibly can make it. 
You know, I, I think every day is a little bit different, but most of the time it's about the same. We come in, we stick to a routine, we try and have systems in place. It's really important for what we do on a daily basis to be consistent. Um, I mean, you've told me over the years, and, I've, and it's a lot of things Rob and I talk about with getting, you know, advice, help, consultants. So you know, you've, you've shared with me, and I, I admire you've had some people help you with your systems and your practice. Who are totally. some of the people that you've engaged to do that? I mean, we've, we've run the gamut. I've been fortunate to be exposed to a lot of different options, and I've worked with man, third-party management companies like the Paragon Program. I've worked with the Scheduling Institute. Um, I feel like there's always opportunities to learn from people, and you have to invest in it. That's the reality of it. But most of what I do now has come from mentorship, from from being exposed to different practice styles and understanding that what was going to work for me and my personality and sort of the type of dentistry I wanted to do. You know, what I do is not for everybody. Just there's lots of ways to skin a cat, as they say. And I know plenty of guys who do it differently that are extraordinarily successful and take great care of patients. And I'm, I'm honestly in awe of them a lot of times. All I sort of know how to do is, is what I'm doing now. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity that I was given, which we can talk more about. I mean, I, you know, my practice is realistically is 102 years old. Yeah. Almost, maybe more like 117 years old. I should say it was 1902. It was formed by by a, a family that ran three generations of, of dentists and then my predecessor and then me. So it's been around for a very long time. Cool. Yeah, yeah cool. I take a lot of pride in that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy who, who makes the, the, the ship sink, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it is a lot of responsibility and it, it's been through all sorts of iterations of how the practice runs. Um, I think the one we're currently in now has been about the same way since about 1995 with single doctor sort of fee-for-service style practice. Um, and that, go ahead. Dealing with a lot with transitions, just because I want to, I, I know some of this story, but I want to, uh, Rob, to hear and our listeners, because we do so much with transitions and helping people buy practices and acquire practices, startup practices. And I just really like the story, you know, sh- share with us and with Rob, you know, how you, you know, got your practice or introduced yeah. that. So I think it represents some really good old fashioned getting yourself out there. Yeah, that's the key to, to I think, my success so far has been uh, f- forming relationships. I, I When I got out of residency, I was talking to Rob about this earlier. I I looked in the back of the dental journal to find my first jobs. Like there were no, there was no internet. Like I know it's, I'm not that old, I'm 40, not that old, but back, you know, in 2005, you weren't going on the internet to find dental jobs. There wasn't social media. There weren't connections like you're forming with dental nachos. So you went to the back of the Pennsylvania Dental Journal and you skimmed it and looked for opportunities that were close to home. The best advice I ever got was from my father, actually. He said, pick where you want to live first and sort of extrapolate everything else out from there. So that's what I did. I wanted to live in Center City, Philly, so I looked for jobs around here. Long story short, I worked in five or six practices in a very short period of time over a five-year period, going from like Medicare-based places and areas that you wouldn't really want to be hanging out in where you would have to get buzzed in the back with bulletproof <laughs> yeah. glass to, to really well-run PPO-style insurance-based practices with great mentors. But long story short, I, I was in a study club here in town, and I used to hustle all around trying to meet new people. And I joined a, a perio study club here in town, and my predecessor was also a member of that study club. When he was looking for an associate, the guy who ran the study club said to my predecessor, I know a guy, and it was me. I went and interviewed and got the gig. I started out as an associate in in my office now, but a year and a half in, my predecessor, Robert Kravitz, 
he just couldn't do it anymore. He was looking to retire, and uh, and a year and a half later, I, I owned it, which is pretty it's, pretty it's extraordinary. An story. I mean, some people, you know, Rob knows it. You know, we we met over a decade ago, but I actually ran a study club called the Rising Dentist Study Club with the intention of making dentists be nice to each other. Yeah, <laughs> Rob was nice enough to sponsor a lot of those events, and. I did the same thing. I mean, with my GPR, I was exposed to so many great study clubs, and I just saw the magic of being with dentists who are older than you, medium age, same yeah. age as you. And uh, there's really, you know, that's kind of my new, you know, trend is, you know, face to face, not just Facebook, you know, because back then we didn't have Facebook at all, it was your only choice. And I just think there's, you find out the things that, uh, people sit across the table from you eating chicken parm or nachos at lunch and say, you know, oh, I, I know, and it's a lot of the old fashioned dating. Like I know someone who's looking for an associate. It might not be them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say this will happen to us. You know, there's going to be some new technology that social media we don't want to do, like Snapagram or something like that. Right. And we'll be at a meeting and uh, the dentist will have to come out and see us. So, you know, I, I see the same thing, Rob. Yeah, but well, yeah, but what you do is really cool because I think you uh, mix the social media with the in person really mm-hmm. well. And I, I think. You know, and that's the other night you had that the event at Porton Center City of Philadelphia. All those people were there in person because you connected them or connected with them on social media. Yeah, I mean, it's a one plus one equals three. Yeah, and I think you know, and Todd was saying this too. You know, it's uh, it's important to you know meet people in person. You know, but the reality is that social media exists too, and it's just managing all this stuff and leveraging it for what it's you know what it's best at. But it's definitely not a substitute for. Uh, for actual human interaction. Right? I feel that way big time. I mean, I think the, the young dentists out there now really have to focus on the fact that you have to be face-to-face with people. I yeah. mean, they have to get a feel for who you are as a person. I went out at 27 years old after residency and everyone around me was older. I, I was the youngest guy in the room for 10 years, for yes. a long time. But it didn't bother me. I mean, I knew that I had, the edge I had was, I would like to think, personality. I was a big personality. I would go in, I would make a point to meet all the doctors, find where their practices were, where were they at in their careers, what were they kind of practice were they running, were they looking for anybody, anything. I mean, I was grabbing at anything that they'd give me because I was in, you know, when I first came out, I tried to fill five-day work week. You know, a lot of young dentists, I think, think they're going to go into one practice yeah. now and fill a week, and that's not the reality of it. The reality is you got to be all over the place. I was a day in a fee-for-service joint. I was two days in a PPO joint. I was two days in an HMO joint. I did that for five years before I settled into my practice. And I think Rob can really a little bit with law, but he, you know, he. I know this is. A, sorry if we have all these fancy dental terms uh, for you here, Rob. I'll try to catch you up, but uh, uh, you know. We talk. I mean, I do a lot with implants and hybrid overdentures. You know, kind of two different types of, um, you know, styles of teeth bonded into one. And you did this with your career. And you know, I just think just just take a second and see. You know, Todd is someone who has a has a uh, practice that he really likes and he enjoys going to each day. But you got to build that from doing a lot of things you didn't want to do anymore and learning different styles. So when dental students say to me, "I'm going to go from dental school and buy a practice right away," sometimes I, I say, "Why, why would have, you want to do that? You don't yeah, have, yeah. you know, try some different restaurants before you run yours for the next forty years." And usually, um, when you hear stories like this, it's just it's just a great experience when you're young because you didn't have any responsibility to own the place. Uh, yeah, you just got to I mean, work there. It's the right time to do it too. You're you're young. Maybe you don't have a family yet. You yeah. you have time to hustle to figure out what works for you. I would have never known. You know, in theory, you always listen. You see things on Instagram now, on Facebook now. The people have these gorgeous practices. They're doing all anterior cosmetics. That is. 
newsflash, not the reality yeah, of what like, we do on a daily basis. It's a social media fraud. Yeah, it's a, in, in no, it's a really, right? I'm, I'm scared for it because no, I think I that young you. Dennis not, coming out are going, oh, I need to be doing that now. That is not the reality. I mean, I spent years doing mostly pediatrics, right? I was the young dentist who looked young, so, you know, uh, the kids who all came to me, I, I, know I got handed them from my, from my, uh, the business owners who the practice, you know, the practice owners. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, hygiene, I did pedo, I did endo, I was doing surgery. I mean, things that I didn't enjoy doing, but quite honestly, I needed to earn a living and I was trying to figure out what I liked the most. And then what I recognized was my style, my personality was best fit for general practice, I think in general. And then also, I just didn't want to be a jack of all trades. That made it gave me anxiety. It yeah. made me nervous at what I did. Right. It didn't promote my confidence. And so I learned that I was going to be a comprehensive restorative dentist. I was interested in in changing people's smiles, but at the same time making them feel good, making them function well, having their mouths feel like comfortable to them. And so that's the direction I went. I. I I focus on comprehensive care, quadrant care now. Back in the day, I was doing single, t you know, take two hours to do a posterior composite. It was like... And we just had an amazing episode with this uh, um, uh, Frank King who talked about Anthony Bourdain, who I've watched a lot of his stuff, and he, yeah, he would awesome. do every job in a restaurant. And I, I worked in restaurants my whole life, and right. the good owners had done every job in a restaurant. Absolutely. And uh, there's just something really powerful about that when you're a small business owner, especially as the dentist who has to do the work, manage the work, run the business, uh, and when you get to see other people run their businesses, just learn whether it's law or dentistry. Absolutely. I mean, I had a conversation with the, a young, uh, with a, a dental student uh, a few weeks ago who was talking about buying a practice, you know, straight out of school and said, you know, I don't want somebody else to make money off of me. And it's like, <laughs> I said, well, just think about it as you yeah. learning on somebody else's dime. You yeah, know, right. Absolutely. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily uh, a, a negative thing to work in a practice for several years. And, you know, it's like, the, as you said, Todd, you know, you don't have a family, you don't have the same level of responsibility. It's a great time to fail. And, yeah. and you know, all of us, you know, the three of us in this room could definitely point to the instances in our career where we've done things that were, you know, more or less failures or we weren't happy with or just didn't work out the way we wanted totally. it to. And the best time to, to do that is early on. Like, none of us right now want to do something that's a failed venture. Like, right. you know, the stakes get higher, mm -hmm. right? Family mortgage other responsibilities 10 people working for yeah. you or more like now like you can't really monkey around like you kind of have to you ha you have to have it figured out and have a plan but i think a lot of people don't really realize that younger people look at this like hey i'm going to come out and do this perfect startup you know the beautiful yeah. office that they see on the you know on a facebook group or i'm going to just I'm going to buy a, a a two million dollar practice, you know, and it, it's great. But man, you 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 don't have any margin for error at that point. It's also know? just important. I mean, we Todd and I both have families around the same age, and, and Rob's daughter is uh, awesome. But you know, she's she's so competent, being old older now. But when you have young kids, you know, they'll see us walking around on Halloween with your kids in their costumes, saying, <laughs> "Oh, you got it all made." I'm like, you didn't see like the the knockdown drag out fight that just happened behind the scenes <laughs> here, and that's what happens in your dental team. And, and you know, it's interesting, young dentists like. You, you know, we talk about team staff, you know, if you are a young dentist who owns a practice, you're going to have to work with dental assistants, dental hygienists, front desk team members. And you need to see how that happens yep. when you're not the person in front all the time, because it's just, it's so difficult. 
and you want to just be the, I use the example, my brother's a great uncle and, you know, Jeff's like, you want to be the aunt or uncle of the practice where you can give the practice back, mm-hmm. you know, and you right. give the, give the child back. And, uh, I'm an, aunt, I'm an uncle now and I, I like that experience. You know, I said to my sister, okay, <laughs> your child's here, needs some help. Uh, you can have her back. I don't co-own her. And, uh, I just think, you know, I've, I, I'm glad this message is coming out because, you know, dentistry, you have a long time to own a practice. It's a long you know? career, and, you know, uh, it's a tough career. You might not get, when we talk about this with Jamie Amos, you know, you wouldn't get on the path you were today without all those experiences mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, go out there and get a couple different jobs, hustle like you did, did meet people face to face, do some work you might want to do. You know, sometimes, uh, and you know, Rob deals, does such a great job helping with associate contracts and they'll say, you know, what kind of work am I going to get in the practice? Why do I have to do the pediatric dentistry? I'm like, well, because that's the work that's left over for you to do. And, you know, why don't I get the good cases? Because that's what the owner owner gets. And when you're an owner, you'll get them. And it's, you know, a lot of great sharing. But you have a safety net. Because I always say I mentor through text message. You know, I get a text yesterday from my associate. And he's like, this is what happened. I'm like, is it a good thing? No, it's not a good thing. And it was, a, it was actually a clinical implant issue. But we solved it together. And you want someone in your life, I think, to be able to ask, is this normal, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's with a child or a practice. Right. And if you get into it too soon, it's just it's a lot well, of stress. I, I mean, I could have never owned the practice that I own now without having done those five years of working in other practices. I mean, not only for the experience sake, which was huge. I mean, the mentorship, I was very fortunate that even in the crummiest of practices that I worked in, they gave me opportunities to sort of establish myself. They let me run free, they trusted me, which is something yeah. that I take to heart a lot. And so I could build my part of the practice any way I wanted to. If I could educate a patient about the need for comprehensive care, then they would let me do it. At the same time, they'd feed my schedule for stuff that they didn't want to do. So (laughs) it was what it was. But I remember, like, very clearly remember that when I bought my practice, sitting in, like, a parking lot in South Jersey where my where I was working as an associate, talking to my accountant at the time saying, you know, can I do this? You know, am, am I, do I have enough experience at this point that I'm making this ridiculous investment, the biggest investment I quite literally will ever make in my life more than likely. And will I be able to sustain it? And I think it took those five years to to bring about that confidence. I think if you go into it a little sooner, not that people don't have confidence. I mean, I've seen students right out of school who who know they can and, and absolutely are doing extraordinary things because they have the clinical skills, because they've chosen to do a lot of continuing education early, but for me, my journey was such that I needed more time. And at 27, I wasn't gonna be owning the practice that I own now. At 32, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, all right, it's time to put on your big boy pants and like make a change so that you can make yourself have the highest potential that you really think you can, right? And I knew I wasn't gonna do that quite bluntly working for somebody else, right? I knew that at some point I wanted to own my own business. That was important to me. And we talked about it. you had you had good timing in that and Rob, you deal yeah, with that a lot was of luck. clients. Well you're 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 humble to say that, but also like saying you have confidence in something doesn't mean you're confident. I mean you're right. you're a high level swimmer. You probably got involved with people who said, I'm confident to do this and they couldn't do it. You right. Know? <laughs> well even one step further, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. There you go. So, you know, can you do that right out of the gate and 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 not fail? Yeah, probably, <laughs> right? You know, but uh, if you're talking about you know having a, a, a more fulfilling practice, something that you own that you that is what you want, that that's you know not giving you anxiety, that's the type of practice that that you thrive in. Uh, it, it's better to kind of spend some time kind of building the foundation before you leap out into that because. You can't, uh, you know. Again, the fact that you, you you can do it without failing doesn't mean that you could wait, 
you know, can wait a few years and do it better. I think and patience ultimately is the look key. at look at fifteen years down the road, right? How long have you had the practice now, Todd? I'm I'm owner of the practice about eight and a half years. All right, so you know, closing in on a decade, right? I mean, you're almost inevitably. I think it's probably safe to say that. You know, 10 years in, you're so much farther ahead than you would have been if you had started sooner. So just starting sooner doesn't mean that yeah, you get totally. farther sooner. We talk about no, this no with question. Jamie. Right? Yeah, we've talked about this with with many guests. And, you know, we, we, and Rob and I try to share things that, you know, you don't learn in dental school and try to, like, un- peel the curtain back on some of the myths, like, you know, dentists don't fail in their practices. But, you know, one of my classic things is, you know, we asked my wife, my wife, Mary, how's your marriage going to Paul? And she said, well, we're not divorced. I go, that wasn't a nice way to describe our marriage. Right. So that, you know, we just use that as, and I just try to help young dentists or any dentist realize that, you know, success isn't designed, defined by not failing. And I think sometimes we dentists are, and it's tough on them. Young dentists here, like, oh, you don't fail if you own a practice. And you see, hey, Robert sees the inside that you can fail in owning a practice it's possible and what does the success look like to you you know if it's working six days a week i mean i really admire your schedule uh, todd <laughs> that you you know have a really well-defined purposeful schedule the way rob would talk about and we can talk a little bit about i think this is a good topic to bring up you know how do you manage the challenges and stresses i mean sure. you work set you know basically so actually I'd i mean like i'll to tell you about my day it's but, not you know it's not seven to six clinically but yeah but share with that because that's what uh you know rob and i, I come down here to the office i'm their favorite client i'm their only client that comes into the <laughs> office that comes in physically i understand but, uh, not their you know, actual only client in uh in the you know one thing that dennis did and you know my, my dad uh, was a dentist too and great you know an amazing mentor amazing dad you know i think you know they would say i work four days a week and i think dennis has really done this disservice yeah. because you know what everyone else does like you know when everyone else works on their stuff after work they call that work right so when you said seven to six share with us you know your patient hours or what yeah so so patient hours are 8 15 to 5 but i'm there at seven uh five days a week really you know maybe on fridays i'll give myself eight o'clock but but um seven four days a week monday to thursday and I'm doing like prep stuff for the day. I'm either finishing up notes from the day before, I'm doing correspondence, I'm getting treatment plans together, I'm organizing just my thoughts for the day and making sure I'm paying attention to the patients that are coming in and what we're focused on doing for them that day. We have a morning huddle at eight o'clock, so the team sort of moseys in between 7.15 and eight. They're expected to come to huddle prepared with their notes for the day for their patients. Um, and we do a morning huddle till eight fifteen, and then we we get busy, and, and it's and it's showtime, as we say. You know, it's it's it really is. And then um, I work with two expanded function dental assistants, which you can do here in Pennsylvania. I use the analogy with patients who aren't used to that um, as sort of like nurse practitioners or physicians assistants. So it allows me to to be very productive, to run a busy schedule. I also run two hygiene. Uh, chairs throughout the day, sometimes three, so it gets very busy. Um, so it makes days go fast. But I finish my schedule with my EFTAs around three, which is nice. Um, we sort of scarf lunch throughout the day. Yeah. We don't take an official lunch because we really don't want to. The story with that goes that my my team originally wanted to be home for their kids when they when they got home from school. Now they're older, so they don't have to worry about that. But we kept the schedule the, same, the same schedule because yeah. we like it. Because I'm done with most of my work at three, which is nice because. At th- after three, I'm not as fresh as yeah, I yeah. was. And so I don't want to be doing big stuff after, like late in the afternoon. I just do hygiene checks from three to five. I can catch up with my paperwork. And then at the end of the day, I'm making phone calls. I call patients. I call the lab. I do correspondence. And then I'm, I'm on my way home by, by six. The beauty of, of my schedule is such that I don't have a commute. That's the big yeah, thing. Is nice. that, and that was a choice that myself and my family made was that we were going to live in the city 
where my office is with the pros and cons that come with it because I didn't want to sit in a car for an hour after work. You, you walk to work, right? How long's your walk? 10 minutes. Yes, yeah, so if you every but you know, you can knock off every podcast episode from the Amigos. Now, I have listened know? to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> you have to do like a couple laps, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, around Town Square before you They're mostly soccer podcasts, but but I mm-hmm. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sprinkle in some Amigos, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rob draw up a lot of good topics with being more mindful and managing stress. I know you do some interesting, you know, and, and cool things. How do you outside the office, how do you manage your your stress or that stress is kind of a, a loaded term it's just you know uh manage your you know work-life balance or what do you do to stay in shape or something like that? it's it's challenging i mean it it becomes overwhelming i'm much better at it now than i used to be i mean it that's a joke of it like i was just on a, coming to your point earlier with with like you know being 15 years into practice now there's no question i'm doing things different than i did 15 years ago but i also want to make it clear i'm doing things different than i did a year ago yeah. like my skill set is continuing to improve at like a pretty extraordinary level just with time and experience. So like, I just can't compare the way I practice now with the way I did 15 years ago. But as far as stress and work-life balance is concerned, it's, it's challenging. It's true that because I'm only working four days a week in the office with patients that I have some flexibility, which is really nice. So on Fridays, I can go to Pilates, yeah. which which you know, Paul is sort of like schedule, you know. I you do can, not you, schedule any lectures around. Pol- I do a Pilates, Pilates lesson yeah, yeah, every yeah. Friday, which I will say has has changed how I feel from from a working aspect. I mean, what we do is a physically demanding job, which sort of gets lost in the fray a lot, and we really need to focus on taking care of ourselves to do this at a high level for a very long time. And you'll see a lot of the best dentists they they work out, they take yeah. care of themselves, they make time for that because unless you're in shape, unless you're able to physically work, then it's all null and void sort of anyway. So I do the Pilates lesson, uh, I do a massage every couple weeks, which is important. Um, I, you know, I, I do some working out some stuff at home, but nothing extraordinary, nothing really vigorous. I mean, I just try and keep myself flexible, work on that deep core, as they say. It's good, but you have to make time for that. That's what we were talking about with Frank, uh, with Frank King. You know, yeah. you have to. It's, it's easy to to not build that stuff in your schedule, but. Uh, you're not going to have a, a long career if that's if that's the case. And how much do you need to do? I mean, I also don't try to bite off too much, literally speaking, where in the sense that, like, I could be busier. Right. I mean, I could do more things. I just choose not to because I, I don't want to be worn too thin. I'm I spread too thin. I'm just not interested in that. And I think one of the things that you said uh, a few minutes ago, you know, you said it by the time three o'clock comes, you know, you don't want to do big cases and, and, and Rob's an early morning guy, guy too. Um, but you say something, you know, you're, you're, you're have a higher skill set now, but it's not like you only work until seven o'clock at night. So I caution young dentists when they take jobs that, you know, where they work until 8 p.m. They say it's fine. So yeah, it's fine now because you also can go out, you know, partying till two right. o'clock in the morning. That changes too. It does. So, Kids. Yeah, so even though you're more talented and clinically more skilled, you don't want to be doing 12 hours of clinical dentistry because it will burn you out. Much like an athlete that throws too many innings or, you know, runs the ball too often. And I, I think that's an important, important thing to point out for someone who's a practice owner because, you know, you can get into a rut of just wanting to constantly be in the office, feeling good about it. And, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I say it's like eating ice cream, on the, eating ice cream on the treadmill, which sounds kind of fun, but um, you know, <laughs> it's like you're, you're working, but not getting anywhere. Uh, yeah. But uh, young people though, you have to understand like, there's no end to that. Yeah. Right. I mean, if just working more yeah, no, and more totally. and more and more and, and you know, it's not, a, it doesn't put you in a happy place. Yeah. That's, you know? that's a, uh, a true. So I wanted to ask, but why, and Rob can chime in too. Uh, so, 
when I, Todd was gracious enough to come to our uh, study club and lecture in my lecturing gym. And as soon as he gave his lecture, uh, people said it was their favorite lecture of the year. I was like, what are my five lectures? <laughs> not those. You just talk about mumbo jumbo, like how to talk to patients and leadership. So Very Todd talks important about, stuff. The, yeah, the Todd talks about what dentists love. And he's excellent at it about, you know, how to do cosmetic cases and do your dentistry better. True dentisting. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how you've enjoyed uh, speaking and New Dance Boost Camp or other things. How how's that uh, been for you? I mean, I will say ever since we met, uh, you're, you're sort of uh, uh, exposing me to new experiences, obviously. You know, you knew that I took a lot of photos, so you asked me to lecture. I had never lectured before. It was always something I was you know, potentially interested in, but never sort of got myself organized about. And you forced, you know, you pushed me gracefully, right? To, to, to get outside sort of my, my easy going box. And and that was important for me. And I felt that was necessary. You know, you get to a point in your career where it does become a little bit routine. You have these systems, you have these routines. I'm a very much a routine guy. I like the way I do things and I try to mess it up. But at the same time, you have to expose yourself to new things or else you're, you're just, it's sort of stagnant, right? And, I, and that's the one thing I don't want to become is stagnant. It's important for my patients, it's important for my practice and my family. So there you go. You said, why don't you lecture? I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I was so nervous, man. But ultimately, it was a great atmosphere. I love talking to new dentists. I do think it's something that I can offer them because I've been there and it wasn't that long ago. And my journey is such that like I had extraordinary opportunity, but I had to work hard. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, that's really, that's really the gist of it. And I, I look forward to doing more lecturing too. I, at some point I want to teach. I mean, that's again, the balance with the office and opportunity that will come over time. But, um, but right now I'm focused on these little things like my first podcast, which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, so, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, like I, I get people, you know, so people, you know, I try to help people out of their comfort zone in, in, a, in a safe way. And then, you know, the things we've done, the boost camp and Rob's been a great contributor. It, it's important you know, and you were watching some of the first boost camp before you, you started. It's important to know, and you kind of used it with the, the, you know, the example of exercise, like you have to be physically fit in multiple arenas. So, you know, you can't just know how to do a high level cosmetic case without knowing how to make decisions about, you know, your business and vice versa. Right. So, you know, that's just what I'm trying to bring out and get these stories passed back when people still, when they're meaningful. Because it's exactly like, you know, if you, my dad was a phenomenal grandparent, but you know, like they're, when you're out of the mode of having a three-year-old, you're like, I remember that time, but you're in the mode of doing these things. That's why I want the new dentist to see, because a lot of times we are taught by people who are phenomenal at what they do, but they're just sort of like the aging quarterback. Doesn't mean they're not good at what they did. It's just that it's cool to have people who are doing this every day talking, so we really appreciate that. Well, I think the the, the big takeaway isn't, you know, and I, you know, I like to do cosmetic work, but I have to really reinforce the fact that, like, I'm a general dentist. And I know that's the thing that you and I talk about yeah. a lot. Like, I'm a general dentist, and I I like to focus on comprehensive care. And when, the, when the, the cases come across my desk that are more extraordinary, that have the potential for awesome cosmetics, I want to be able to do them predictably, right? But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to show these new dentists and students is that, like... The day-to-day dentistry, you just have to be good at the basics. Well, that's what we're talking that's about. That's where you've got to start there. To do with the next uh, boost camp and probably, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what Rob does down here. Bangs a gavel. I'm not sure what you do in the office. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, I would say he makes a brief tour, whatever it is. But, uh, um, you know, same deal with uh, any profession. It's, it's, it's a lot of, if you say mundane, that's loaded, but a lot of classic or fundamental yeah. stuff. So Todd will be talking about the fundamental cases he does, single-tooth crowns. Uh, because that's what makes up the majority of your day to get to do these cool cases. And I think, like you said about the social media before, Rob, 
and I actually think it's dangerous for young dentists. It's like Agreed. they think that the people are doing this all the time. And I, like, you know, you're in the middle of uh, you can't handle the truth type courtroom cases right. when you're doing your classic stuff here. Yeah, well, I'm lucky because I don't really have the opportunity to compare myself to other lawyers because yeah. our world like pretty much exists like with dentists. So <laughs> right, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny. We're sort of like this, this quasi outsider that's sort of around all the time. But hey, look, it, it goes without saying, you know, com- anytime you're comparing yourself to somebody else, like it, that doesn't usually end too well, Mm-mm. right? So uh, you got to get out of your head. It's hard. And again, for example, my social media, if you look at my Instagram page, which is what it is, it's not all anterior cases. Right. Like I'll show an amalgam replacement because I want people to understand, like, this is what is the day to day. Like this is what changes people's lives too. It doesn't all have to be about pretty smiles, right? Totally. And so you know, I know who I am and what I do now. And that came with experience. And I still go on and I see what these guys are doing across the country and I am flabbergasted by it. But for me, for what I'm doing in this city, it's more than enough. And and I feel very satisfied by it. And as long as I can do it feeling at the end of the day I'm doing right by my patient, then then I'm cool. And and that's the other thing and and you say, you know, great, the the students and the and the young doctors who come to the the, the dental nachos events, and even the more experienced ones who see my cases and they go, oh, that's great. That's important, but at the same time, they have to know how to speak to patients, and that's why I feel like what you're offering them is a lot of things that we don't get typically. You can get verbal skill stuff from, from other management consultants and things like that, but you really break it down very simply, and at the end of the day, if you can't talk to a patient like a human being, yeah, very true, yeah. if you can't be quote-unquote normal with somebody, and sort of exude your personality and make sure that they understand that you care about them, then, then yeah, you might earn a living, but it's gonna be the difference between being, I think, really successful and feeling like a lot, that you're giving back a lot, versus just kind of going in and, and seeing a hole and filling we're, it. We're, right? we're, taught, we're taught to talk in uh, technical terms to our patients, so we kind of talk to them like other dentists, and they just think you're odd for that. And I don't think they ever connect with you. So just it's the terms that were never taught. And I just, dental school, now I think it's becoming at a crisis point because what Todd says is so important, to be able to pay off your loans, survive as an associate, buy a practice, patients have to say, you know, okay, I will do it. There's a classic book Correct. by Paul Homily that says, isn't it wonderful when patients say yes? And he's a certified speaking professional. I'd like to be that one day myself, but he's way too optimistic. Because when you say to a patient, uh, hey, Rob, uh, you're going to need a crown. I don't think you'll say, yes, I can't yeah. wait. Right? Yeah. So I get a new furnace. So you have to say, how are patients say, okay, I will do it. And it's an important part. And for some reason, those skills are just not, they're not, you know, part of our learning. And uh, you always say you learn them on the streets. But one of the examples of that is you're working by yourself in your own office. Uh, you don't know what other people do. I mean, I give Rob, I mean, I come in here and uh, disrupt the whole operation and, all, and nothing. But there's, you know, three or four attorneys here where you guys are talking about client stuff all the time. Right. You know, you just get some terms down, probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I wonder, though, Todd, you know, how much, you know, your ease and, and ability to talk to people, how much of that do you think is attributable to the fact that you're doing something that you're comfortable with? You know, you've created this, this right. environment that you can thrive in. Right. And, and, and it would, you know, it would seem well, it, to me like that that certainly contributes. To it comes it, right? with confidence, obviously. And confidence comes with time. You know, I'm much, uh, it's much easier for me to, to present plans to patients now because I know that I can actually do the work and I'm doing right. right by them, which is very important. But the other thing is that we need to touch on, in my opinion, is you surround yourself with good people. I, you know, 
I am by myself in my practice, but my team that I work with, the nine women that I work with, are extraordinary people with really good educations who I've made a, a huge investment in training and getting on the yeah. same page with them because you know, a lot of times I'm not the one educating the patients about the care. My team is. So we all have to be on the same page. And if you're a young dentist and you're coming out and you think that you're out of the room and you don't know what the conversations that are going on in that room, well, then you need to figure out what those conversations it's, are. It's always trying to use the example. The three of us live in the center city. I don't know what happens in the suburbs. You know, I, I've never been I there. don't want to go. Well. No, I'm <laughs> but not you don't cross either but river. You know, we, we he doesn't drive. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah, go yeah, to the yeah. suburbs. Yeah. I, show I, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't blame him. If you yeah. walk or Uber there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, forget yeah, yeah. it. You're but, not going to uh, see Paul Goodman. We, the three of us have been here for decades, and you see great restaurants. Mm-hmm. with fabulous food they get a bad reputation for service and they don't make it and the chef is back there doing a great job and you don't go there and that's just point you made with your team is so important and that chef you know isn't able to get his team on board and if they can't do that you don't have the confidence in the place so it's a whole other area that and i worked in the restaurant industry for years so i just i just saw that because your your patients have to enjoy working with your team trust your team uh, yeah. they have to be able to talk in, in a way so right. it's the, the, it's a complex operation to, to uh to run a dental practice and i i know todd as you know our listeners we bring them a lot of different things so tell us just for a few minutes about some of the high level seed you've taken and how that's had an impact on what you've done and when is a good time to take it in your career i do worry mm-hmm. just to set you up that a lot of times young dentists are taking some of these courses too soon because they think it's what they should be doing but then they go back to their dental restaurant and they don't have the opportunity to to do it. So it doesn't mean that you should never take it, but just like with treatment planning, you know, share with us a little bit about some of the course you've taken and how you would guide a, make a treatment plan for C for young dentists. It's a really good example. Cause I remember when I finished my, my residency, um, I wanted to start doing high level CE and, and back in the day, my, my father, who was, who was a periodontist, he's retired now, um, was like, Oh, panky, 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 panky down in Florida, yeah. panky, panky. So I went down at 27 years old, right after I finished my residency, to do the first continuum panky. I didn't understand a thing. I left there more confused than before. Right. And then you get experience actually doing dentistry and you see things not last. You see things that need to be replaced, as we say, right? You see things that um, you think you can do better and you go, okay, now I need to learn more stuff. Right. You, I've got some experience, now I need to learn how to do things more consistently in a better way. My predecessor, Bob Kravitz, at my office that I own now, he was into Frank Spear and the Spear Institute, and he got me started on that path. And that was really the beginning for me of, of becoming what I'd like to consider like sort of a comprehensive practitioner, looking at things in a big picture scenario. And, and they've done a very good job at the Spear Institute, not to plug them too much, but I will say, give credit where credit is due, they've done a great job at the Spear Institute, quote unquote, dumbing things down enough with complex concepts they make it digestible they really do but they make the concepts easy so that like when you're a new doctor or even like a five year into practice doctor or a four year into practice doctor you can start seeing some of these more complicated concepts and understand what they mean in everyday dentistry Right. right and so when you start to do your everyday stuff, there's more consistency to it. There's more, there's more predictability to it. You're seeing less things break down at a faster pace because you're looking at the systems that are in place in a patient's mouth. Plus, they also give you some skill sets with, with the verbiage. They teach you how to talk to patients. There are multiple levels of, of ways to get introduced to these institutes. So I did Spear for many, many years, and I still am. And then I joined a Spear study club in town. That's great to be around like-minded, other like-minded dentists because when you work by yourself, you don't have that opportunity to collaborate on a day-to-day basis, which is the big thing I miss about 
being in a group practice because I used to work in group practices as an associate. I can just come over and bother anytime you want. Yeah, you, you do a good job. I will say you do a good job of that, but that's not really <laughs> helping my day. Energy. That's disrupting yeah, my yeah, day, yeah, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, I was just say, to, but it's a lot of it's what we do, Rob, and, and I think you'll understand this. So I do practice transitions, and as a broker, you're a lot like the general dentist. I'm doing the limit oral exam and the X-ray of the scenario of the business deal. And I've just learned a lot from Rob over the years, but he's also brought some people in here who were sitting in the podcast seat. I'm like, this is not gonna be a very exciting, I'm like, leases? And I was actually pretty entranced on the leases. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Rob, Brian Brian a nice so guy, right? a lot of it with Spear, and it's the same thing, is my job as a practice broker is to get you the right person when you need it. You know, banker, attorney, lease person, accountant. Our jobs as dentist is to get you to the right dentist where you when you need it. And you just have to be aware that these people exist for example, I didn't know someone like Brian Madden even existed, you know, out there. So it's right. really great. So that's what Spear can help you with, or the sees that it might, you know, that's why I'm such a big fan of learning how to talk about stuff as young dentists, because maybe you get them to the right periodontist, the right prosthodontist. But if you don't even know this stuff is out there, yeah. you, you just have a limited, you just have a limited menu. I've heard about that. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's why it's important. And um, it's similar to the transition world. Yeah. There's people who subfocus on different things. And you get them to the right person, that's how it helps them. Professional development, right? Yeah, right, that's, what, exactly. that's what it's all about. I yeah. think knowing what else is out there is important too. I mean, I've, I've made a point to put myself into situations that normally general dentists wouldn't be in. So I go to the Greater New York Academy of Prosthodontics meeting every year. I'm the only general dentist in the audience, yeah, which awesome. is fascinating to me because this is general dentistry, right, really. Yeah. They're doing prosthodontic work. Like We should have an idea of what's going on in the world, literally. There's, it's a great international meeting. I was just down in Florida at the AAO, the American Academy of Orthodontists, on an airway meeting. The Probably one of, I know another general dentist that was there, but one of a handful out of a giant conference room of people. So you can put yourself in the scenarios to be more learned, right? To, to yeah. step up your game. And that's the great thing about Spear is that it, can, it starts in like a seminar forum where you're just being exposed to it. It's like osmosis, right? Yeah. When you hear it enough times, it starts to sink in. When then you finally look in a patient's mouth, you can put together what you learn and go, oh, it's like a light bulb yeah. goes off, right? And I wouldn't have been able to go out to Kois in Seattle, which is kind of like, it feels a little bit next level because yeah. it's a smaller room and it's not this whole thing. But even when I was out there in, in September, like there were concepts that I had to like ruminate over for a long period of time before I really thought they were gonna sink in. So it continues to be challenging. Your patients are lucky for that. Yeah, listen, you, you have to invest in yourself. When people, when, when students and young dentists come to me after boost camps and they go, well, how did you learn how to do this stuff? I tell them and I sort of guide them. Like you said, it's nice to be guided toward what you think CE will work for certain people. And I think it's a great place to start. I think you gotta get away from the local meetings. You have to invest in yourself. People have to understand that it may not be the easiest thing to get out to Arizona, to go to Seattle, to come to Philadelphia, right? But you need to do it because you can't just stay within your local community. It, 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 it may not be the right people you're surrounding yourself with. And when you put yourself out there a little deeper, when you get outside the comfort zone, socially with dentists, right? Not the dentistry itself, but out, like being around other dentists that you may not feel you're in the same caliber of, whatever it may be, but it forces you to step up your game. I, I, that's awesome, Todd. I appreciate you being here shares with us. And I'd like to make a promise to our listeners, since it is National Margarita Day, and I hope we get a margarita. <laughs> that's why we're going to wrap you, it up that soon, if you right? do That if you do come <laughs> to the new Dentist Boost Camp and see Todd or the Dentist Team Boost Camp, Dentist Team Boost and see Todd May 31st, June 1st, 
I promise that Todd will buy you a margarita while you're here. That's so, right. Uh, yeah. I, I, will, I will back that, will back <laughs> yeah, that up, man. Or, or a mojito. Or a mojito. Yeah, but, uh, fair yeah, enough. I mean, really, thanks fair for enough. sharing with us, Todd. Yeah, Pleasure. Todd, if uh, people want to, uh, to reach you, uh, what do you do uh, as far as social media or email? Yeah, I mean, I have a website, centercityphillydentist.com. I have a social media, at uh, Center City Philly Dentist. I'm also on Facebook, of course. Instagram is at Center City Instagram Philly. is at Center Instagram City Philly Dentist. Yeah, cool. and that, that's cool. And I, and, uh, but I'm very much accessible. I'm, I'm always happy to share. And uh, I, just, I would just like to say one more thing. It's just important that as a dentist, you need to establish relationships. If you want to run a fee-for-service office, that's a, that should be paramount in your, in your sort of approach. Surround yourself with smart people people surround yourself with an incredible team like i have and just try and pay attention yeah. thanks todd cool. great message appreciate yeah. it thanks todd pleasure guys that was really cool uh, yeah. I, I now understand why uh, todd fleischman is part of the uh the dr nacho mafia here and very much aligned with uh with your message yeah we're lucky and, to have him and uh you know uh he's just a great example of making decisions early in your career that just benefit you and as soon as i met todd i, I wanted to get him involved because uh we were much the same way in you know, getting yourself out to study clubs when there was no Facebook. You know, you know, Robin, you're in our business world of dentistry that making relationships so important. Right. And uh, it takes a lot of a courage and credit and it's easy not to do it. And that's why I just keep telling young dentists, especially now with the challenges of not as many jobs I feel as there used to be or even practices right. that put yourself in the position to be lucky like Todd. Right. Well, that's it. And this is the way to go about it. I mean, a lot of people, I think, would rather just look for a job through whatever, you know, electronic uh, medium. Uh, they want to buy a practice. They're going to look on the website of various brokers. And there's another, and I'm going to say better way yeah, to, right. to look for a job and a practice. And it's actually getting to know people. And if people like you and they know you and they trust you, then they want to put you in touch with people that they know uh, are in a situation that would be you know, good for you. And I mean, so, it's totally, you know, it, it's just like the old fashioned dating or, you know, people will vouch for you or any relationship that you're going to have. So I even say, you know, if you're if you're a dental student, a young dentist, you know, doing a residency or a student where you don't want to live, it's still worthwhile because you're going to these local C events and exercising these networking muscles, right. which are not easy to develop. You know, right. it's, it could be fairly challenging it's you know it's it's awkward to talk to new people but you don't get better without practicing yeah no that's really cool and uh you know obviously todd does what you what you've done so well uh that's cool and i look forward to uh hearing him and seeing him speak at uh these uh events coming up yeah thanks rob thanks paul thanks for listening to another great podcast with the dental amigos and don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.